Last weekend, our entire family was down in Fort Worth, Texas for Labor Day weekend. We went down there to go to the TCU Colorado game. That's my alma mater. And uh, took the whole family there. First time all five staffers have been in Fort Worth for the game. And, you know, I thought I would show them around, you know, show them where I live, show them, you know, different tenures. The kids didn't seem that interested. Megan was fascinated. But, uh, but then we went to the football game. And we were having such a great time until the Colorado Buffaloes and Deion Sanders came to town. And we got Deion last weekend. We lost that game, but they're pretty good, by the way, if you watched them uh, yesterday. We didn't see that one coming, but we still had a great time. Things have changed a lot since I was an undergraduate at TCU uh, back from 1998 to 2002. The school has grown and built new buildings. The football stadium has been completely redone. In fact, uh, they used to just be glad if we walked in you know, with our student ID. Uh, now you've got to pay a lot of money to get a ticket to TCU games. They have club levels, they have boxes, they have all these things that, were, that are pretty impressive. But, um, but, but it just makes you kind of take a trip down memory lane and think about how much life has changed since you were there in college. But the thing that always amazes me when I'm back in Fort Worth is the school spirit that has taken over. You know, TCU is no longer a private Christian college somewhere east of Dallas. It is now a thriving global university with more and more Nashville kids going there all the time. And so it always makes me very proud to be back there because the TCU spirit has completely taken over that town and there's purple everywhere and I'm so glad to see what my alma mater has accomplished. Now you can tell a difference between schools that have spirit and pride and schools that don't. Uh, you can tell a big difference between churches that have spirit and pride and churches that don't, and you can also tell a big difference between Christians that have spirit and pride and energy and Christians that don't. Some Christians are warm and welcoming and energetic and passionate. Others are cold and critical and pessimistic and not all that fun to be around. What kind of Christian do you wanna be? What kind of person do you wanna be? As we continue to study Paul's letter to the Romans, Paul talks about in, in this book, life in the spirit. And he really gets into this in chapter eight. And he contrasts this to living life according to the flesh. He says, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on spirit is life and peace. A few verses later, he says, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. All of that's in Romans 8. So let's ask a very important question this morning. What does it mean to live our lives in the spirit of the risen Christ? Not just at Easter when we talk about that, but all the time. What, what, what does that look like? What does that feel like? Here's the way I see it. 
We all have three basic options in terms of how we can live our lives. And I don't want to oversimplify this, but this is how I see it. So I want to lay these out for you. The first option is what I have always referred to as the ontologically disappointed life. If you take this approach, life is a burden. People always let you down. Nothing is ever good enough. Life is unfair. This approach is grounded in cynicism and negativity and disappointment. Fear becomes the dominating emotion and anxiety rules the day. There's always somebody out to get you. Screw you over, hurt you, take what you have. With this approach, you never get the credit or the recognition that you feel you deserve. You, you take blessings for granted. You, you develop a sense of entitlement and you complain often that things aren't as they should be. People who live this way are, are rarely happy, rarely satisfied, fulfilled, or content. They are very good at playing the victim and blaming all their problems on everybody else. The, these individuals are often miserable and they're not much fun to be around because they can make you miserable. And also they usually don't have the self-awareness to know how they come across. Option one, don't pick that, okay? The second option in terms of how we can live is what I'm just gonna call to simply be present. You're here. Life is not bad. It's also not great. You do your job. You go through the motions. You check the boxes. You, you take care of your responsibilities. But nothing is ever that exciting. Nothing is ever that joyous. The, the good news is you're, you're not negative and always disappointed like the first group. But, but, but when you're, you're simply present, life just seems mundane and ordinary. And most people who are present don't spend a lot of time thinking about why they're here or what they're supposed to be doing or what their purpose is. They're just here. Doesn't make them a bad person. I'll take this group over the first group any day. But when you live like this, it still feels like there's something seriously missing in your life. Then there's the third way. And I think this is what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter eight. I'm gonna call this living by the spirit. This is the fullness of life that Jesus talks about in John 10, 10. Life is exciting, it's an adventure. Others do not control you and the toxicity of other people does not affect you or drag you down. Joy is found in small things. Nothing is taken for granted and every day is viewed as a, as a gift and an opportunity. You don't get bogged down with the past or become overly obsessed with the future. You live in the present moment because that's all you've got. You enjoy the people you're with, the people you love. You know, people who live this way are, are able to count their blessings on a daily basis and thanksgiving becomes a way of being. These folks are full of hope and peace and joy and love. The, the fruits of the spirit become the goal which include patience and kindness and gentleness and generosity and self-control. Um, I'll tell you this story, we got to Texas and we were gonna get a rental car. We got our, you know, came down from the gate and waiting on the rental shuttle. And when God gave out patience, he skipped me for some reason, by the way. Um, but finally got tired of waiting 
and there was a guy there with a taxi cab and said, how much to drive us to the rental car place? He said, oh, no, no, you don't need that. You wait on the shuttle. That's not what I asked you. How much to drive us to the rental car place? And we took a taxi to the rental car place. Was tired of waiting. How, how patient are you in your life? I, I, I wrestle there. This approach, this third approach, tries to make the most out of every situation. This approach involves a healthy recognition that many things are out of our control, and we have to be okay with that. The third approach is one that generates warmth and compassion and a sense of authenticity. Your fear and your anxiety are kept in check. Um, intentional steps are taken to reduce it. Experiencing inner peace becomes very important. These are folks who move beyond self-centeredness and selfishness so that they can learn how to live for other people. Serving and giving back becomes a way of life. This is what it means to live in the spirit of the risen Christ. And no, it's not always easy. Why? Because life is stressful. And we are sinful, as Paul has reminded us, the first seven chapters. We do the things that we do not want to do. We don't do the things that we know we should do. So it seems like there are always obstacles that are in front of us to keep us from living this way. So I think, and I've always felt this way, that we have to name them. We have to call them out. Be aware of them. What are the basic things that keep us from being able to live in the spirit, live a spiritual life? I'll name a few. The first one I figured out this week is golf, okay? I'm kidding. <laughs> I think golf can take us to an unspiritual place. My dad said he gave up golf because it was gonna drive him out of the ministry. Now I know how, why he said that, okay? The first obstacle is fear. We live in a culture full of fear. Fear keeps us in a state of uncertainty because we never know what might happen next. Fear can be crippling and paralyzing, sucking away the quality of our life and our ability to enjoy the present. The second obstacle is anger, which is related to fear. In the highly polarized and contentious culture where partisanship has become toxic and even deadly, anger is real. We see it everywhere. It manifests itself in hate crimes and violence. Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, you know, for every minute of anger in your life, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. Aristotle put it great when he said, you know, Anybody can become angry, that's easy, but to be angry with the right person and to the right degree and at the right time and in the right way, that's not within everybody and that's not easy. Acting out in anger is usually a bad idea. We usually regret it. A third obstacle is envy, much of it resulting from socioeconomic divides in our culture. This is when we look at other people and we, we say, well, I wish I had what they have. Envy is a dangerous road to travel because there's always somebody who has more, right? Envy is often the result of ingratitude or a lack of contentment keeps us from appreciating the blessings we have. Fourth obstacle is lust. Lust 
has destroyed many marriages and families and decisions that are made in just a few short moments, sometimes under the influence of alcohol, can have long-lasting consequences. Lust has become even more common in a culture that, that glorifies sex and ignores boundaries. Fifth obstacle is resentment. Failure to forgive and let go of the past keeps many people in unnecessary bondage. Some are better than others at letting go of the past, but when we keep holding on to things from the past, resentment only grows and gets worse. And remember, it's like drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. And there's negativity. Psychologists have confirmed that our brains tend to automatically remember the negative situations and the criticism we receive, but it takes a more concentrated effort to focus on what is good and positive. And negativity becomes a downward cycle, and there's nothing worse than two negative people feeding off each other. Makes a bonfire. And the final obstacle that I'm gonna name this morning is materialism. Turning to money and things to satisfy spiritual longings. This is age old, but it doesn't work. Or if it works, it works for a short period of time. And of course, we all enjoy nice things, nice houses, nice cars, jewelry. But, but those things do not satisfy our deepest spiritual desires. I was talking to a good friend a couple weeks ago. He's done really well in business. He's retired now. And he said something that stuck with me. He said, Clay, I've decided that the money can buy you comfort, but it cannot get you happiness and fulfillment. That hunger can only be satisfied by God in relationships and love and acceptance. So what does it mean to live in love in the spirit? Those are the things that get in the way. What's Paul talking about here in Romans? I'm gonna give you a formula and it's gonna be incomplete, but at least it's the start. If you wanna live in the spirit, here are some things that really matter, okay? First, we must try to be humble. Why? Humility means coming to terms with our imperfections and the fact that as human beings, we miss the mark a lot. We all have that in common, by the way. But we have to keep trying. Paul is very clear about the challenges of the human condition. We've talked about that in the series. In chapter eight, he's driving home the difference between the flesh and the spirit. And where people get into trouble is when they become overly confident and arrogant and they don't acknowledge their imperfections and their shortcomings. But we're all broken. We're all imperfect. I always come back to C.S. Lewis's definition of humility. It's not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. It's putting others first. It's remembering the world doesn't revolve around you. Showing interest in other people and going out of your way to help other people is the best way to remain humble and to stop thinking about yourself all the time. The second part of living in the spirit, living life in the spirit, is that we have to build intentional time into our lives for prayer, for rest, and reflection. And I would add scripture reading. If you're always going and going and going and you never have time to slow down, it's going to be very hard to live by the Spirit. Somebody once said, we are human beings, but we have turned ourselves into human doings. Families raising children are the worst at this, by the way. We have activities every night of the week. We have our kids playing 
two and three sports at a time, which is insane because we're convinced that they might miss out. And they're gonna be the next Hall of Famer too, so you don't wanna mess that up, right? Then we sit around and we wonder why we're always exhausted. It's because we never slow down and we don't take the time to pray. We don't build in margin. We don't find balance. In Romans 8, Paul says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And then you got that amazing verse. We know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord who are called according to his purpose. How can we tap into the Spirit of God? If we never take time to pray, time to reflect, time to slow down, it's gonna be really hard. Third, to live by the Spirit, we have to surround ourselves with the right kind of people. And the older I get, the more important this becomes. Surround yourself with people that will be honest with you. People that want what's best for you and not just what they can get from you. Look for people who have the same values and priorities as you. So many people are in toxic relationships and superficial friendships and then they wonder why they feel so miserable. Being a Christian happens in a community, but you can't be around everybody. You grow in groups, we always say that. You grow in friendships. You grow when you're around the people that care enough about you to tell you the truth. And if you're in a relationship or a friendship where you're always giving and the other person is always taking, then it might be time to make a change. If you're married, you need to go to counseling and try to fix it because there's a lot at stake. But when it comes to your friends, choose the people that will make you better and not drag you down. Be around the people that will love and encourage you and not drag you down. There may be some relationships in your life that need to change. There may be some relationships that need to go away because you're the only one making an effort. But healthy relationships work both ways. Which leads me to my final point this morning on Romans 8. Living in the spirit, living by faith in the spiritual life is all about learning to love. Paul writes these incredible words in Romans 8. Who will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No, no. And then he says, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And it's only when we fully appreciate these words that we can be set free. That there's nothing that can happen to us in this life that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we have so many, so many ways and so many opportunities when we need to bring this back into focus because we forget it. And we become overwhelmed by all of our responsibilities, by all the things that we need to do, by all the stuff that's going on. But at the end of the day, life in the spirit is about love. Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor. Because 
the antidote to the problems of our world and the problems of our heart is love. Full stop. Living by the Spirit matters, but it's always a challenge. But if we can do some of these things, try to be humble, try to find time to pray, surround ourselves with the right people, learn how to love, we can be well on our way. Amen.